I'm Jake Mansell with HJ Sports, and today we're going to go over our new sites within the Tetra line for 2022. So new for 2022, we actually came out with a new way to mount your scope housing to the infinite adjust bracket. No longer do you have to worry about your vertical adjustments uh, intertwining with the second axis adjustments. So as you'll see on the scope housing, uh, there's actually an additional brick. You can either mount that to the inside of the riser or to the outside of the riser. We recommend that for most traditional bows, you mount that to the inside of the riser and for any sort of sight that you're gonna mount in line with the bow to use the outside. Just flip that around um, and mount it to the outside of the riser. So within each of the product categories, we have the Tetra Max, the Tetra, and then the Tetra LT. As always, our Tetra line of sights come in four different scope housing size options, an inch and three eighths, an inch and five eighths, an inch and three quarters, and then also our four pin housing, which is an inch and three quarters. We also offer a 10 thousandths pin and a 19 thousandths pin for both single pin and four pin options. On the Tetra itself, we once again have micro adjustments as well as your macro gain adjustments for left and right. For your vertical adjustments on your Tetra bow sight, you'll want to use the screw right here on the infinite adjust rail and the screw below that. You'll just loosen those and slide it up and down. Another key feature on the 2022 Tetra bow sight is the integrated scope ring that has a built-in level. Another key feature on the 2022 Tetra site is the ability to take a 2500 blue burst light. This is an added on accessory, but you can actually put that on there to add light to your pin or to reduce light. With that, we also have mechanical rheostat, which is an exclusive feature to HHA on the Tetra line. You'll be able to turn in the rheostat if you want to dim the light, and then you'll also be able to turn it out if you want to let more light in. Also on our 2022 Tetra line bow sights, the Tetra comes in either a fixed frame, our Hunter Edition frame, or it comes on a four to eight inch adjustable dovetail. All HHA products are 100% made and sourced in the USA, and they carry a 100% lifetime warranty. For any more questions, please visit our website at www.hjsports.com. Hello, we're at the BATA show at uh, Veteran Innovative Products, uh, an all-American made and manufactured broadhead. So we've got a new one for 2020 called the Combat Veteran 4-Blade. As you can see, 4-Blades got a lot of the same high-quality materials we used with our original 2-Blade Veteran, but the Combat Veteran has a different deployment system. How it deploys is you just squeeze a little bit on your main blades, okay, those compress, and then the broadhead opens. It still has our momentum management compressible blade technology. So the cutting diameter is inch and a quarter by two inches on this when deployed. Uh, in flight, it's one inch by inch and a quarter. Another feature we added this year with these heads uh, is that you can exchange the bone breaching field point tip with a 125 grain setup if you would like. So swap the tip out, get you 125 grains instead of 100, which is big with those Western hunters. And then it's really simple to lock back in place roll those blades up and then it's a click and another click on the other side it's completely set in will not prematurely deploy will not rattle free solid containment 100 percent deployment every time so we've made a lot of good adjustments and refinements to it to make sure that it's guaranteed to deploy every single time so that's what's new for vip this year
Welcome back, guys. This podcast is brought to you by RPG Coffee Company, a veteran-owned and operated socially responsible coffee company born to support members of the military, law enforcement, and firefighting communities by donating 50% of their profits. The true secret to living is giving. And don't forget to join the RPG Coffee Club today. Don't wait until you run out. Stay ready to rock by having RPG Coffee delivered straight to your door each month with our coffee club. And we're live. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in another episode of Bucks of America podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Vance. It's been a couple weeks since I've been on the podcast. My last guest was uh, Cameron Stover. He was with Hunting Gear Deals. He spent the spent the time out there in uh, the ATA show there in Indiana, and then he went out to Shot Show. So that was last week. So here we are. I got my buddy uh, Jim here from uh, Georgia, and him and I have been friends for quite a while here. This is like I've been trying to figure out when I was going to get him on my podcast. We're able to make it all happen tonight. And last week, we're actually going to try to have it on, but his area was in a war-torn situation with all the massive uh, tornadoes are all going down and stuff. So I'm really glad to have you on and have you aboard, Jim, Bob, Oval Shorts here. So, Jim, so how was everything in your area doing after, since everything happened last week? Man, you know, I mean, I, I will say I love stuff like this because even though it's a terrible time, because it really does bring community together. Like you see so many people just coming together to help in every kind of way, whether it be from cutting wood to sharing food, to sharing skills, whatever is necessary to help your neighbor get by, man. So it's been, it's been real nice, but it's, it's, it's devastating in the areas that it is. And a lot of people have lost a lot. Thankfully I was, I was spared from any like damage damage we just had a lot of water and without power for a little while because there was like complete power stations wiped out by this thing it was there was five tornadoes within 17 minutes of my house destroying an entire town so and it was it was pretty pretty devastating that's insane so now would this all stay clustered in a specific area down there in georgia like give us give us the, the area that was fixed that it was it was affected so there was a line like it actually where it hit the town just above me it had already run through two other towns um it landed in a town called woodbury which is just a middle of nowhere kind of town and it ran across there ran through zebulon and williamson through griffin and these are changing counties, by the way, at the same time, too. So No like, kidding. Yeah. And so then it gets over into an area that my farm used to be at and where it's kind of where three counties meet and it tore through there and then jumped the river and went away. Like, but it, it was throughout, there was one big main storm carrying multiple F3 drops of a tornado and really off of and yeah and off of that f3 there was spinning twos and ones and that one town griffin got hit the worst they got five tornadoes in one spot like it all would when it hit it split and went different directions you can see the different trails through town and that town looks like a war zone like you would you know no 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 puns or jokes but you'd think you were in chicago running through there right now because it's just you know, Ooh, like 
oh man, it's, it's pretty rough, but it's seeing everybody come together, man. It's, it's nice. They've ever just, everybody's got power back now. Finally. Um, That's good. You know, the, the being in the Bible belt, the, the church has really stepped up for everybody and are helping a lot. There's been shelters, there's been, you know, city, city officials out there and stuff, grabbing chainsaws and whatnot, and just, you know, going at it. Like there's everybody's effort to help each other. People even coming from other counties after they've got their own stuff cleaned up to pitch a hand in. So it's, it, it'll, it'll be all right. I think, you know, and people, people usually survive these things pretty well. You know, this is where it would, it would be nice to see that the the big arm of the government would like would be willing to come in and put everything on hold for the people's uh, bills mm-hmm. and their mortgage payments. Like so, this way, then the the community can actually go, go work together, not have to worry about going to work, and but repair everything and get everything cleaned up and get everything record rolling and like figure out what people need for clothing and for food and, and people that they lost their livestock and stuff like that to be able to have these dedicated yeah. resources oh, for them because yeah. we all know fema is kind of a joke so it's like it's better off to have established a really good community to be able to recuperate all the things that would happen because everybody gets affected by it because one family could have their entire heritage in that uh, in that holler it's it's been pretty because for like a week there's a there's a cut there's like a town facebook page for that and yeah. for like a week i'm going on two weeks straight man like everybody's being nice on there and it's not normal for that kind of thing but it's everybody offering help or looking for help or doing what they can do because there has been a lot of people displaced like they're they're I mean I, i've personally never seen so much destruction from a tornado like firsthand like i've I've been through a couple myself, but this is, this one's ridiculous. Like this is, there's been a lot of, and you mentioned livestock and yeah, that's, that's been a thing too. A lot of people did lose a lot of livestock and lost, like just completely lost, like fences got destroyed and they don't know if it wandered off and we've, people have found cattle that they don't know about and stuff. So it's, it's been a thing. Definitely. Well, was it, uh, we had uh, two years and two years ago in 20, 21 we had the massive st- uh, windstorm we had basically a hurricane that hit iowa and just decimated towns and uh, we like for an example we went to go see we went to, to cedar rapids uh just a, f- a few days prior to the storm hitting and the day after the day after the storm hit the place where we went to go do our escape room was destroyed because they got so much rain so much water because basically the wind just ripped the roof off and just devastated a two-story building wow that that's wild yeah yeah it it was quite something i had friends down there that got uh, damaged from the wind and such and then also the crop damage because when you're driving through they're like the the some of the trees and some of the crops are just like pretty much just blown down which just they were going through 50 to 70 mile an hour gusts of wind and just destroyed everything it left a pretty big hole in the in the area there but there was a people that rallied around it to provide food for those there was a couple of guys that created a, a chicken coup a queue basically they just i got a whole bunch of donations and they just cooked food all day long and nice. while they're out there trimming all the trees up and cleaning them all up and i mean that's the biggest comfort right there but he's from pretty much all day long the guy out there did it for several days and he just cooked chicken that's all he did in certain communities like i don't remember the community offhand but then i have a friend of mine that lives in southern iowa they were just south of the devastation of the whole area so knocking away pretty much all stuck around des moines waterloo uh then all the way down to coralville iowa it's all around the i-80 corridor and such so yeah 
it was it was something being and I'm well, my family most of my family lived up north and up towards the Minnesota border they didn't get affected knock on wood but they still had the the, the some of the aftermath but my where I even grew, where I even grew up my dad and my mom at the time back in the 80s they dealt, they had to they went they dealt with an F1 tornado before and then they're just right out their backyard literally like 60 70 yards took out their makeshift uh, shed my my mama's from the southeast so we we spent all you know she all her family's from this area and we spent a lot of time in and out of here between traveling growing up because my dad was in the military so we were all over the world the first good chunk of my life but i've been through a lot of these different uh tornado type situations i think the worst one i can ever remember i was probably like eight or nine years old we were in alabama and there was one of those nights where they said actually like multiple tornadoes came through that area the weather service said like four and we were traveling so my mom just pulled over in the first hotel we seen and she paid for a room and we all sat in this hotel room and just listened to what sounded like trains rolling up and down the street. When you, when we come out the next morning, it's just, it was destruction. It wasn't this bad, but it was like, it was things tore up and whatnot everywhere. And like down here with this recent ordeal, even all, every sign's gone, dude, like the, the street signs for like Walmart and mm-hmm. stuff like that, gone. Like it hit, it hit the Walmart area. It ripped the roof off of like Walmart and Hobby Lobby and, dollar tree and multiple restaurants and bent it bent poles that hold uh billboards billboards yeah i'm sorry bent them in half they're just bent over no kidding just just I, i've never seen it in my life dude i was just like whoa like this is this was serious so you know i Look I was out. gonna say, <laughs> I was gonna say, uh, down along I ninety, some of the some of the signs they have now actually have a uh, a designed ability to fracture. So if the sign is getting so much wind from one direction, it actually has a hinge, so it'll, it, it, it's it's has a clasp that holds it in place. But once the wind get uh, once the wind gets enough, instead of like taking it up off of the the uh, out of the off the ground stuff like that, all it does is it'll snap right over. It'll just snap right over, and then this way, then all you need to go is lift it back up, put a couple of bolts in, you're good to go. And it's uh, it's a it's a very sound design, and this way, then you're not worried about having to replace those signs, and you're able. This, all you do is just flip them back up. But that is the thing, you know. It's not a. It happens every now and then, but it's not a common thing. You know what I'm saying? Like the mm-hmm. area that we're in, like it's it's probably been. 10 15 years since they've seen a storm close to that strong you know what i mean okay like it, it, it's not something that happens every single year every single time so it, it, it tornadoes are i've always found found them pretty fascinating because you can't they're unpredictable and all that good kind of stuff like there's needs the right temperature and the right set of standards and all of a sudden boom there it is so that's Luck of the awesome. draw, I guess, this time. I mean, it's a terrible thing, but it's nature, it man. It's weird. Yeah. It does some weird things. So, getting to the actual meat of the, the the podcast here, man. So, tell the Bucks of America audience about Jim Bob. Oh man, well, me, um, dude, I'm I'm the wild pirate guy that you've been hanging out with a little <laughs> bit over on on my podcast that I invite occasionally. But man, I'm I'm. I grew up all over the place. Like, well, I mentioned a few minutes ago when, when I was born, I was born into an Air Force base. And 
my dad and my mom travel like they were all over the place and I lived in many different places I've I've done the numbers before I've I went to like 12 elementary schools and like eight different states and one other country so it's just like that was a lot and then when my parents got separated we ended up on the farm back home in Georgia with my with my grandfather and so at like 10 years old I was I went from being a little military dude to a farm guy in the middle of nowhere living mm-hmm. close to the river out in the woods learning how to tend cattle and hog and hunt everything else that we put in the freezer so it kind of became a way of life I guess because it seems simpler to me and that's just you know that's where I am now I do my own homestead and kind of ordeal and stuff like that as well and just man I just, I just rock it dude like I don't know it's been it's, it's a wild ride I'm I'm a wild card as people like to say because you never know what I'm going to try next so good point so as you said as you transitioned from being a military uh, brat to being a, on the farm what were some of the things that uh, you got into when you started hunt like when you got into hunting and fishing when you when you had that big change we had that stability in that in that uh uh quality change of life the very first outdoor sportsman thing that I was introduced to was it, it was like the weekend that my, my parents separated and we drove from where we were to Georgia and we drove immediately to a lake where my grandfather and my uncle were standing fishing. Okay. And they handed me a pole and we were bass fishing out by, out by a cow pasture. And like that became the norm. Like we, if we had time in between like coming home from work and the sun going down, we'd stop and go fishing somewhere. We, you know, just anytime my, my grandfather's the same reason I carry a pole in my truck now, even like if there's time to fish, then you can make time for it. Like it, I travel for work, so it makes it a lot simpler nowadays too. But even back then when I was a kid and just hanging out and going to work with them and stuff like that, it would be, always going fishing as well and that was just a that was a main recourse there cat fishing bass fishing crappy fishing you can catch carp but they're just for they're just for cut bait from where we are in our area and it evolved from there you know like i i met other local people in the state of georgia that taught me about noodling and and you know like real good catfishing and deep, like deep catfishing where you're pulling out like 50 plus pound catfish like i Personally, I don't think they're any good at that size, taste-wise. But you want to put up a fight with something like, go try to go, go try to pull a fifty-five pound catfish out of the water. Dag them near my little self, snatch me right in. So, <laughs> so do you have what was so when you were when you were young, like let's say between the ten and fifteen, what was your biggest cat? Oh man, we we went to. Every year we went to a thing that's down in Warm Springs, Georgia, which is where uh, Franklin Roosevelt has a house and stuff like that. That's I don't care for the fellow, but, you know, he's got all this cool stuff down there and there's a fish hatchery down there. And every year for the kids up until the age of like 14, I think it is, you can bring the kids there and they get to fish out of the hatchery. Okay. And we pulled one out of there that was 36. I was, I was 12 years old. It was 36 pounds. My, my uncle had no choice but to help me. He's a very large man. <laughs> and this thing had eyes the size of golf balls. Like 
it was the biggest one of the day and it was a whole thing where everybody was like you know check this guy out and they you know they let us keep it because my my uncle was going to cook them and stuff and he was just like nah it's no good this size and we ended up throwing that one back and catching another one it was it was totally cheater fishing because with it being a hatchery they totally didn't feed them for a week and when your pole hits the water like it's immediate you know they're grabbing and going like i i intend on doing it since it's picked back up this year because it's been canceled for a couple of years uh-huh i totally intend on taking my kids this year because it's it's fun to give them that extra exhilarating hey i gotta catch because a lot of times they go with me and they're and we sit there for a couple hours and you may not catch something because it's catfishing and kids and sitting in one place for a long time is not a one winning situation half the time so oh for sure man i exactly know what you mean that but that's the excitement that a kid gets when they catch a fish can set that hook for the entire life where it just keeps them driving back and out there. And it's the beginning of a, a very expensive addiction because my wife could tell you I'm up to like 12 or 15 poles. I got, I used to have a cane pole. It's so old that it's split. So I, I need to, I just need to get a new one. I my, haven't bought one yet. My boss made the mistake of telling me because I, I called him one day and I said, Hey, the customer has to ask me to wait for like 45 minutes. And he was just like, "Do you did you bring your fishing pole to work? And I was like, what? And he was just like, sometimes you have to wait for a customer. And I deliver appliances. So, okay. And I was, and, and I was like, okay. So right up the street was Bass Pro Shops. And that day I put a dog demon in that truck. Me and my work partner put a set of dog demons in the truck. What's a and dog it's evolved, demon? The little tiny, little tiny fishing poles. Okay. Like to, to go stand off to the you know, little cast, tiny guys, you can go, you can go stand off the side of the bridge and fish with them real nice. You know, it's a, mm-hmm. the state of Georgia. There's a lot of places that you can just pull over. Like there's rivers and streams and lakes everywhere. There's, you, you cannot go your day without crossing over something that you can usually get to and fish. Cause it, especially out here in the sticks, it's a little more lenient. You don't have people breathing down your neck and stuff. You know, you're out with a bunch of public people and you can just, stand underneath the bridge and fish that's that's a good point there i have a buddy of mine swamp man from uh he's from canada he, ch- he chimes into our our dose after dark podcast and he's a really cool dude he's got a channel on tiktok and youtube so he does a lot of uh uh, Magic the Gathering content. He does uh, a lot of video game content as well. But he was just—he mentioned in chat that he uh, his last fishing uh, last trip to the store cost him six hundred bucks for a whole bunch of things, and and he got himself some new hooks and shit like that, and some new gears. Like that's insane. Oh, it's evolved now, man. We've got—I've got—I think we've got five poles in the back of the truck, and then the two little dog demons in the front of the truck, a whole nice. tackle box, and like. We just kept adding to it, like between the two of us in the truck. It's tr- it's the truck's fishing equipment. So, <laughs> you, you're right. You never know. And then you know, sometimes we get done on a good day, and we got a nice ride home before the sun goes down, and we might come across something that we seen or passed earlier that day. We, I pulled some bass during the middle of the work day. It's it's all right. The boss likes pictures, so <laughs> <laughs> it, it creates a good. It keeps it keeps the employees happy and it keeps them coming back to work because we all know some employees can get a little drawn out from their work and they want to they, they, it's a good way to after especially if you're getting done with a karen or a kevin to, to talk about nice to be able to grab a rod and go fishing i 
I started getting into uh, collapsible fishing poles. So I have several five foot three to seven foot two poles, and they're just they're great to have because uh, for the longest time I always had cars, and so it's like I wanted something that's a little more compact. But now the best part about it, though is when I go on trips and stuff like that, I can throw a fishing pole in there, a small tackle box, and I'm good to go. I have had the same collapsible pole for almost eight years now. I bought it. Just and this was just a cheap one, that little, little five foot three. I bought it from Walmart one day, and I carry that thing with me everywhere. Like that's 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 my personal one that like stays in my my personal vehicle and stuff. And man, that thing's that thing's seen some fish. Like there's that that's one of my favorite poles. I've, I've caught some things off there that I was surprised I caught. Like it was just like, wow, how did I pull that in without breaking this thing into pieces? Like those those collapsible poles are nice. Oh yeah, I, I can't remember the brand that I use. It's it's oh the, the you can buy them at Shields and, and every once in a while Best Buy or Best or Shields or Walmart or Bass Pro, but they have a, a ridiculous amount. They test them to like twenty seven tons, thirty six tons, where you're basically just wrapping it to touching the tip to the base of it, and they just last forever. The only downside sometimes the uh, the first eyelet falls off, but I've caught. Um, I think my biggest pike was 40 inch pike. And, and then I've caught my, I think my biggest bass was like six, seven pounds on them. So you, you can't discredit them for being a collapsible one. Cause a lot of people like that security of a two piece or a one piece fishing pole, fishing rod, and you can get away with a lot of good fishing with it too. And if it's all comes down to your reel, you're dragging your line. And, and the other part is you, cause it's like you can, your equipment could be superior, but it's like, I've seen people lose fish all the time. Like my dad and I, we do, we go fishing quite frequently, man. It's like, he was giving me shit because it's like I was like, oh, I got one. I'm, I'm just I'm just sitting there with my five foot three pole, and it's like it's like we're 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 catching uh, crappie. So those things are so finicky and stuff like that because yeah. they'll 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 just suck your worm right off. Yeah. And then he says like, get, you get you get too excited when you catch a fish, and he loses a fish like not even five minutes later. He's like, well, looks like you got a little too excited, didn't you? He was just quiet, just quiet. It's like, oh, this is hilarious. So we were, we're, him and I were already planned out. We got two big fishing trips, one in, one in, in May and another one in October to go to Okaboji. So it's like 10 days of fishing. So total. And then it's, we're just, we're just excited about it. Cause it's, it's 150 bucks for five days of fishing. Plus your fishing license too, as well. It's like, you can't complain. It's like, it's, and we, we eat a lot of fish. We, we, we don't eat yeah. fish every day, but we'll bring yeah. in, we'll mix it up with some, some steaks and we'll bring, we'll grab some chicken too as well. And we got a professional chef with us too. So he's always creative with stuff. So it's just, it's always exciting to hang out with these. Plus we drink a lot of beer and a lot of whiskey. So hey. it's a good time. It's a good time. Well, see that, that, that sounds like a good time. The only thing that I'd add to it is that uh, I like to throw the canoe in the, in the river and we start, We'll start up at the top and go 14 miles. It might take two days, but it's totally worth it. And the fishing along the way is a blast as well. Like the, that's what you ought to come down and join me with one time. You ever make it to Georgia? That's that's what you need to do is come with me. We'll go on. It'll be a two day trip, totally. But we'll go down the river and you can that's... catch all kinds of good stuff. Well, my my recent promotion will allow me to travel. So believe me, I already I already have some trips planned out. I, I can only go where my where where I'm where I'm needed at, but. 
I will, I, I will definitely, it's like with everything that happens, so we have, I haven't heard, heard any requests yet for any of my stuff, but I might be, I know I had a, I'm trying to get a trip to go down, down to El Paso. Then I also, I'm trying to get a trip out to, to Colorado Springs. So it's all sees what all happens and stuff like that. It's, I'm still new. I'm still new in the position. So I have to give myself a few months before I can do that, but it'll be, it'll be fun to deal to do that. Cause I'm definitely going to be bringing my biggest suitcase. It's like, it's going to, I'm going to have my work gear and, fishing poles we have we have <laughs> a lot of like you know we have probably five six different kinds of catfish easily running around in different places yeah. of the rivers and stuff and then we've got we've got a bunch of we have a shoal bass that is apparently unique to one of the rivers out here um it's the only place that they find this this specific shoal bass and there's a lot of fly fishing in that area. Like I, I personally don't do the fly fishing, but I've learned that I don't know what it is, man, but those little rubber, I call them swimming minnows, but mm -hmm. they look like little rubber fish mm -hmm. and they're just a, almost like a shad and yeah. the bass around here will eat those up, man. Like you don't, that, that's what I have on the end of my little dock demon because you can just cast it underneath the dock and you'll pull decent sized bass all day with those and um you know like stuff like that i throw back when i go catfishing now that's that's usually for keeps you know like i i get out there and you can still trout line down here so i'll i'll go set up camp and set up trout line and go back and forth between it all night long because you gotta you gotta catfish in the overnight that's how you do it like that's that's how my grandfather taught me how to do it, it was definitely in the overnight errors and stuff but kind of when you do everything whether it been hog hunting or you know catfishing or all kinds of different you, you you do your own coyote work down here in georgia still too like that's they they'll still pay you for pelts in this state certain states up here will do i know iowa they'll pay you for pelts and along with illinois minnesota and wisconsin since they are a, they're a year round they're considered a pest so yeah. they, they don't you 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 doesn't matter you can go out any day of the week and you can go out hunting you don't need a license for it and you just need uh -huh. the gear to get it done the hogs are treated like that in my area too, because it, it's, it's a running joke about how we have, there's probably an army of a thousand plus hogs running around, you know, middle South Georgia, because the hog population is ridiculous and they are so crossbred because it's a common practice. Not, I mean, not a, not a common practice, but it's pretty common for people to lose pigs out here and pigs and hogs will breed in with each other and i mean there's it's regular to go on hog hunts that's that's a common thing i've grown up doing that for sure and that was so it, what's, your, it's a what's fun, been your biggest hog that you've shot my so biggest far? hog yeah what's your personal best what's your pb he was he, he was probably about three he was oh he was over 350 like he's a monster i know that i know that for a fact because I was trying to string him up the uh the <laughs> all right so <laughs> this, this is a good story actually so i get we're out there doing the thing and you know hog hunting i'll tell you right now that's it's not it's not a fun it's a fun activity but it's also very dangerous a hog will charge you a hog needs to be hit in the right place or it's coming at you and there's those things are beastly and we make jokes about me being a small guy. I'm five, six, 150 pounds. Like I'm, I'm a leprechaun, you know, that's the, <laughs> ha, ha. like it's, it's okay. You know, but when you're out there and you're hunting something that's clearly bigger than you, you know, it, it, 
it's a little intimidating, especially when your first shot yeah. hits him and he looks up at you and shakes his head. And you're like, oh, oh God. And this is the point when you're like, you're glad you're with somebody else because the second shot did the trick. And, okay. and they scatter. Like when you shoot one, hogs will start scattering. Some of them might charge you and stuff. And if you hit one, and like I did, and he just shook it off. I, I guess I guess my round wasn't big enough. Like I was, I what did you attempt, happen to use? That I was attempting, I was attempting something because it was a conversation that was had between <laughs> friends. And I was like, fine, let's see if it could be done. And I, I just grabbed the extra little 22 that we had with us. Cause I had my 30, 30 as well, but I just grabbed okay. the extra little two long rifle with that I had and took that shot. And I hit him, I hit him square between the eyes. We all talked about it afterwards because you could see where, it hit mm-hmm. but it did not penetrate any bone like it just hit and stopped and that's why he looked up at me and like shook his head now and i had a I, conversation with this with a friend of mine in arizona so i told her it's like instead of using a larger caliber because they have javelina out there then they have also have wild boar in there so like well they're starting to see more, more wild boar in arizona starting to make the way from the south up to the north but javelina is all over the place and i told and she's like you, you, you told her you could use probably you as a 17 hmr to drop one and it's like how are you gonna be able to do that it's like right in the ear canal you hit it right yeah. dead smack in the ear you, that's that's the off button you're good to yeah. go yeah that's true well and then there's there's where the old tr- old trusty comes in my my great grandfather's lever action that never, has, has never let me down like yeah never let anybody in this family down it dropped that thing instantly like just done and it was you know we get there was there was multiple of us so we got it all loaded into the vehicle it did take five of us to pick this thing up like no joke and put it in the back of the truck and get it back to the house so we get it back to the house and you know you do the hang and drain and Mm -hmm. we get it up in the air it it took all of us to get it pulled up on the gramble because we're we're you know we're old school man we got a gramble chained up into the tree and stuff like that and this this branch happened to be done multiple times and not not today like it gets up there and it's been draining for a good 45 minutes or so and i go over there to check and when i go over there to check the branch at the tree just snaps clean off no the tree shit. and hog and everything on top of me like i'm i'm underneath the hog the bucket gets spilled so everything's pouring down the side of me and the tarp and i'm just like help so it took everybody to get it off me and then we we restrung in the tree into a different place, of course, and we ended up using the truck this time to back up with the chain to pull it up in the air and use the truck as a as a side anchor instead of the tree, I guess, because it was just too it was too much for that tree and crushed me. But we it took us uh, it took us four and a half hours for us to get Break that thing get that thing broken down and split between us, and we all went our separate ways with our hunks i mean and this was pretty man like this was we were talking about this is i i prefer wild hog like i there's something about it it's closer to steak than it is the pork you buy in the grocery store and it makes a mean sausage like it it, it people a lot of people are like oh it's, it's gamey and stuff but when you're when you're making mostly sausage or you're just eating the ribs like man it, it's really good and contrary to what they say they do have enough belly fat to make a make a mean bacon too. Like okay, at least down here they do. Like that's been a common thing down here. We've we've had some record boars down here. You know, like that's a we've got 
fairy tales and myths of Borzillas and stuff like that. So, and I don't doubt it. Like I've seen the pictures of the giant boars, so I know they're out there. Oh, for sure. There's no doubt about that, man. I've seen some massive ones come out of Texas, out of North Carolina, South Carolina, all throughout, all throughout Appalachia. But now I've been listening to, paying attention to Canada there, and they're, they're starting to see up by British Columbia, north of uh, uh, Montana and stuff like North Dakota. They've been seeing some big monster hogs up there too. And it's it's funny, like when you say the people, the the, the the genome of hogs are all Suscrafa. It's like when you break it all down, they're all the same thing, but they all have some different characteristics of it all. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they're starting to make their way up and through Canada and stuff like that. And it's like, well, we've been so far been pretty lucky here in the Midwest. Like they got up in Missouri, but they've done a good job of, uh, they don't, they don't actually have an open season on them. They, they only allow trapping to happen for them. And they, and they have specific people contracted to go after and trap them because they don't want it to turn into an outfitter. They want this. They want the problem to stop because of their efforts. It, they haven't creeped over. I haven't heard any too many reports in Illinois. Haven't heard any reports in Iowa. Uh, Nebraska somehow has been not, lucky. Knock on wood. Oklahoma has issues with hogs, but South Dakota doesn't have hogs either. So there is something that they're doing over the, in that area has done a, done a fantastic job of keeping them. I've heard of wild hogs here in Wisconsin here a couple of years ago, but they're pretty much a. a shoot on site type oh, attitude here as well because our our economy thrives on corn that's why like with iowa it's like we get we start having an outbreak in uh, uh hogs in, in iowa going after our corn and soybean we're going to have a big issue come that spring and so or that that oh, fall when we go to harvest and stuff like that so Granted, it sucks for you guys down there, but it's like you had the bayou, they have the swamps, you have the mountains and stuff like that. So you have a lot of different things that kind of restrict you from being a primarily dominant agricultural state. But when you oh, come man. to the mid Midwest, man, you get a tech, you get in Nebraska and Oklahoma, and you get in those wheat fields and stuff like that, man. Sure. It's nuts. Sure, sure. Do you enjoy peanuts? Oh, that's oh, that's right. Do Pecans you, and peanuts come out of your do, area. Do you do you enjoy peaches? Because I promise you that we have a we have a plethora of peaches and peanuts all over this that's this right. end this of the is, state. Like yeah. this, that's the thing about this end of the state. Like this is actually the agricultural part of the state. It is below the below the foothills, mm-hmm. pa, you know, past the city, below the foothills, and before the swamp. So it is a lot of there's a lot of cattle farms out here. Mm-hmm. There there is a lot of hog farms out here, and that's kind of where I think a lot of the problem in lies in these areas is, you know, hogs get out, man. I don't, I've, as somebody who has raised some of his own, they are a pain. Like even ones that are supposed to be tame and stuff like that, man, you, you can't really control a pig. Yeah. I, say what you will or try as you may, but when a pig wants to do something, a pig's going to do what it wants. That's a, that's a, they, those things are beasts. Like even the True. ones that are, like the show pigs and the and the farm pigs that you mm-hmm. eat and stuff a lot, gen, more general, those things are huge. I, I I think the TV has messed up people's view of how big a pig really is. Like those, ooh, and well, especially you know, when the, you have a large mass like a three hundred pound pig, you're not going to stop it. It's like that's why when like up here when you see the the hog enclosures up in the Midwest, they're very tiny. Yeah. They do not allow room for them to start yep. to gallop, and that's yep. when shit goes wild, man. They do, man. You know, and we we have as regular for hog hunting things. Actually, uh, one of our military bases down in South Georgia, uh, they actually do like a yeah, yearly- Fort Bragg. Yeah, I had a I had a buddy of mine on the podcast. He he was he was he's 
I think he's still stationed there. I know he was going to be getting out right around this time in 2023. So did he ever tell you about the, did he ever tell you about the hog, the, like the hog hunts that those guys do down there? Yeah. Cause it's like, yeah. cause they'll get into the swamps. They'll go, they'll destroy the, uh, the whitetails down there inside the, inside the fort. Yes. I've, uh, I've, so one of my show co-hosts and myself have kind of history of being around that fort and knowing a lot of people in there and I've, you know, and, and, I, I too have been on the famous Fort Bragg hog hunt. And that is that, Ooh, those hogs down there, man, they're, those hogs are turned up. I'm telling you, I think they're bred for that area. Like there's something in the water down there and those hogs are ready to come and get you. You're not hunting them. You're trying to stay away from them and get them before they get you. Well, it is a naturally a hostile environment because you're all around that uh, munitions and stuff like that that are going off from from their fire from their drills and stuff that run. So they're always gonna they're gonna be on edge, and so of course that anxiety is gonna get passed down, especially by the third generation of the pig, because it's like we all know we're all familiar with how fast they reproduce. Oh, if yeah. you get to that third generation, days. yeah. When you get to that third generation of pigs on that on that one year, Jesus man, it doesn't take it doesn't take long for that. Um, all that anxiety and all of those traits being brought into that next generation. That's just off of one female, you know? Yeah, dude. Yeah. Oh yeah. And they're so, but they are like a shoot on site kind of thing around here. Like they're a common, it, it's been like that. I think for as long as I can remember, you know, most yeah. people do when you see one come up, you don't really hesitate. Cause you know, a loose pig is a loose pig at this point. You don't, it, it's it's hard to catch the loose pigs. I've had my first my first man. I, there, here gives you a good story. You want one? I my first my very first farm pig of my own on my own farm. I went and picked up three pigs from somebody, and these were pigs, not hogs. And I had a thirty five minute drive across the state of Georgia to get this pig to my house. And the biggest pig of all three pigs, while we're going seventy five mile an hour down the two lane highway jumps out of the back of the truck like i were i were i were going and everybody's just cruising i keep checking back and i'm like pigs are fine pigs are fine and then we feel something shake and i look and a pig had jumped out of the back of the truck and he rolls and he uh -huh. stands up and i was like it's we're hitting the brakes of course you know and like he stands up and he bolts across the other direction of the thing and runs into a church parking lot uh -huh. and so i'm on foot running up into this church parking lot and here comes the church pastor on a lawnmower trying to help me corner this thing and it ended up like running off into the river and about three weeks later later that pastor called me and he was like that pig came back today i was like yeah he was like and i got it i was like did you did you get it with one shot and he goes no it took two and i was like well hot dang at least it's not a problem anymore <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a sigh of relief because that's the thing you never know when they're gonna go off so you're you're a homesteader so there's one thing I wanted to talk about. So how did you transition to becoming a homesteader? Because, I mean, that's a whole thought process in, in, in the, into be, undertaking that whole step. So give us the breakdown, the history like, of that. Like, when not because I, I, you know, I told you earlier that I came, you know, when we came to Georgia, I came to the farm. Like, I came mm -hmm. to a couple hundred cattle, cattle farm. Like, they, they was, uh, it was dairy cattle, actually. Okay. And you know, that was the norm. You know, I learned at that place how to do farm work, how to milk cows, how to milk goats, how to slaughter all of the above, you know, tend to chickens, 
you know, keep the field safe from coyotes in the middle of the night and stuff like that. And, you know, it just, it became how I lived. And I, when I was married to my first wife, I was not into all that kind of stuff. And I lived kind of all over the country for a little while and in different cities. And okay, when at, after I got married to my second wife and we had already bought some land and we were doing the thing and like not we didn't really have the big farm going we were just trying with some chickens you know what I'm saying like yeah we had we had the space let's have some chickens let's have the dog and then the world went crazy and I was like all right I'm investing into only things for this house and she's like what do you mean and it's like fence goats rabbits pigs ducks like let's run it let's do all of it and mm-hmm. I, there's a few things I've lived and learned and decided to not deal with anymore on the farm level, like rabbits. Like I, we have pet rabbits over farm rabbits anymore, even though I do like rabbit to eat. It's a, they're a pain in the butt to, to raise and to keep healthy long enough to get to the point of slaughter and stuff like that. And, and there's a lot of chicken eating around here because you kind of like pigs, you were saying chickens go quick too, man. Like, no, don't, don't let folks fool you. If you get a hen that decides to sit down you know, in like 28 days, you're going to have chickens running, more chickens running around. And that can happen it, in my area. That can happen from the end of March through September. Like, <laughs> it, you know, it probably if not further sometimes. Shoot, it's it's still short weather now, believe it or not. So, well, especially have you, have you started looking into quail too? I have a quail they have a really good gestation period too like 10 weeks it's like stupid cheap stupid i did evolve to that because quail is delicious yes it is and and even their eggs are pretty yummy and it it was actually an idea for dog food somebody had told me that trying to get my dog away from the grainy crap that you buy in the store Mm -hmm. is get them on a quail diet and, interesting and since they do reproduce so quick and so many and stuff like that you know you can you get you go you can get a lot of quail because they you know they're, they're all in different periods you know what i'm saying like it's not like they're all going to have it once so you you constantly have quail once you start the idea of quail and get and guineas i'm not sure that might not even be the technical term for them but I'm not sure what the technical term would be either, but I, I'm familiar with guineas. They're, they're, they're a delicacy up here too amongst okay. the smaller farmers. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, they're, they're easy to handle and easy to go with. And the, the guineas are louder than the quail are the quail. You really don't hear from them too much, but you know, they're man, it's, it, and it's a whole lot nicer knowing where your food comes from. I mean, you, you can, you can play with a lot of different things. I'd, I ended up getting out of rabbits and ducks, like for the food aspect. Ducks because they're a pain in the butt and just destroy everything and make things messy. Yes, they do. Yeah, I, I, we I raised we had ducks when we were younger too, and we once we were done with that litter, nope, not again. Never they're again. Just, they're so messy. They require a lot of food to eat. Yeah, just nope, good. They fight things. They want to beat up chickens. They want to mm-hmm. fight with. They they want to fight pigs. You know, and <laughs> when when this when this load of when this load of pigs is done, like I have a. I have a farm pig, like she's just an old lady farm pig and she's not going anywhere, but I don't think I'm going to do meat hogs anymore. Like a, they're t- too much extra work for myself when I can just literally walk out into the woods and take one out anyway. So why, Valid. Yeah. why put in the extra effort when they are that plentiful around here? Like I, I, I toyed with it and I tried it and it costs a lot of money and 
a lot of time and no, I'm good. I can just, I can, I can walk out when I want pork. Like I can go find pork. It's, it's plentiful in this, in this region. So. For sure. Then what about and, uh, pheasants? Have you looked into pheasants yet? Is that something oh, that's yeah. feasible? Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. Pheasant, pheasants common too, man. Like that's, there's a lot of people that do pheasants. Shoot dude, peacocks running around here in Turkey too. Like that's, those are all pretty common uh, farm animals in this, in this area of the state. So you guys, so there's people in your area that raise peacocks for slaughter? Because I can understand. All, the males are the only ones that are pretty. Yeah. Yeah, that's and, very true. And it's, a, and, it's a, and it's a turkey breed of animal. You know what I'm saying? Like it's a, it's in the same family as the turkey. Mm-hmm. So the meat is pretty. Dude, people down here also raise uh, guinea pigs for meat. Yeah, I've heard that too. I know it's a delicacy in South America, I believe. It's a common practice in Georgia. It tastes like rabbit. If you're familiar with rabbit, then, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. You know, I love rabbit and people do guinea pig because it's apparently cheaper to raise guinea pig and they're not as mellow. Like, like rabbits will die if you spook them. A guinea pig's a pretty much of a trooper. Like I've had, I had, I had a situation where a deer walked up on my rabbit box that was outside in the middle of the summertime and yeah. scared stiff a couple of my rabbits. No, just by sticking, no kidding because he stuck his nose up into the rabbit thing and kind of snorted and i guess it spooked him and when i went over there to check on the rabbits they were just done i and can I see like, well dang <laughs> yeah because yeah, there goes your your investment right there i guess yeah it makes sense what the roi might makes sense what because my when my dad before my parents got divorced back in the early 90s they they he got some rabbits too and stuff like that to try to I don't know if we, I was so young, it's tough to say if they were pets or if they were for food. Cause mm. I love eating rabbit, man. I mm. love going out there with my four, 10 or 22, getting after some, uh, some rabbit stuff, but. Oh dude, we rabbit hunting's a, that, that's where we start. Like a lot of people start in squirrel and stuff too. Like we do that too. Don't get me wrong, but like, that's, that's another common thing down here. Like we rabbit boxes and or taking your boy to learn how to rabbit hunt and, you know, get up early in the morning and go out to the field and, rabbit hunt you know is this this there is a season i think i'm not sure if there's actually a season in georgia for it officially i can't i can't actually say that like i haven't actually took the boy to do that yet the the first the first hunting trip was with the girl and she begged me to take her deer hunting so i took my oldest stepdaughter deer deer hunting for like her when she was eight i don't know yeah. And I, listen, I love I love my kids. I'm not trying to bash on them in any way, but an eight year old and out in the field for the deer stand at four thirty in the morning is not highly recommended. It's great for the memory. They can at least tell you that you took them, but you're not you're not you're not getting anything that day. I promise no. you. Not the first time. Not the first time. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> But no. it's yeah. it's still fun, you know. Deer hunting's a that, that that's big down here in Georgia. You know what I'm saying? Like there's mm-hmm. There's deer coolers on every other road, every other dirt road you drive down. So, you know, we, we're all into that. Like, I think that's more common meat in everybody's freezer than anything else. It's a very popular, it's, it's so easy to be able to do. And uh, I know some of the Southern states, their laws are a little more lax. Like here, Wisconsin, if you're a resident, you can get four tags depending on your County and stuff like that. And, uh, I was talking. I have a buddy of mine that runs owns Native Sense in Alabama. He says they brought down whitetails from Wisconsin here. I don't know, maybe ten years ago, maybe less than that. And he said they still keep the same breeding habits as they did up there, oh. despite being in a warmer climate. 
Interesting. You know, we've we've got we've got a whitetail ordeal around here. We have a we have a legendary albino buck that's been running around for about eight years that people have pictures of on trail cams and stuff. But uh, <clears throat> you know, we've got a pretty pretty hefty deer population. There's a the one of the counties a couple over is Jasper County. It's supposed to be the deer capital of the United States. Like, and, and there is some ridiculous deer out in that area whitetail and we don't I, you know i've seen some creepy deer up in the northern end of the country when i was in new york and pennsylvania and stuff but like these guys these guys are healthy and it down here we do have a season you know for residents and stuff like that too but there's pretty lax rules if it's your property mm-hmm. down here you know like if it's your property for your personal use you know what i'm saying like it the deer get low in the freezer as long as it comes over here into the yard it's free free game for us you know it, it, and they started in georgia I, i'm not a fan of it i'm not saying i do it but you can now hunt over corn in the state of georgia so which is a good thing to be able to do because it's like long as you're long as the state's willing to put rights in up here in the midwest they're they're looking at ways to cut your rights looking at ways to sure. tuck, take things away so when we have it i'm not a big fan of hunting over bait anyways because i hunt on public land so it's like it's 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 something you can't do anyways so for those but it's like for those who can keep that right because once they start chipping away and start reducing your seasons and doing everything like that it's just a downward spiral the whole aspect of it this last week they're talking about um oh i wish i were, we could recall more about the wolf's uh, they're in Colorado. They're re, not necessarily a reintroduction for them, but they're doing something funky with the laws, and I, I can't. I'm not going to try to say something about, yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, no. I can I can lose the sense of the video for it. I'll probably post in a posting on my on uh, get, my Instagram. Believe it or not, our state even has uh, gator and bear season. Yeah, I know bears are massive down in that area, but have you have you had a chance to go after a gator down there? I I have not had the chance to go after gator. I have the ability to now because of i've met a fellow that actually owns some swampland down there and stuff uh you can only get like one ticket a year really you guys don't have that big of a problem down there in your not, in your area not in this area like when you get closer to the florida line like yeah it gets a little ridiculous um there's that my favorite river just below that i spend a lot of time on throughout the summer months mm-hmm. uh just below the dam is a constant sighting there is constant sightings of gators though because they're that's the last dam before the ocean like like there's and, it, and it's quite a span to the ocean still like it's a couple okay. hour drive still but mm-hmm. there's it's frequent to see gators come all the way back up that end and into the Oconee National Forest and just be hanging out below the dam and stuff and I'm just like well I guess I guess I hope none of them ever decide to go climbing cuz I don't want them in my area because this is my total shallow hangout for that I've been going to for years now. Like it's, it's it's fourteen miles of a stretch, and it gets it gets deep in a couple spots, but it's a nice cruise, kick back in the canoe with a six pack of beer and the fishing pole, and spend a spend a good six hours floating down the river. Oh, that's 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 the good life right there, man. Yeah, I've not. Uh, I'm not a. I'm not a canoe guy. I, I'm just like I've, I've. I have PTSD from when I was younger and stuff like that. From near, oh. a couple of near drowning experiences, yeah. and I prefer give me a nice, 
12, 16 foot boat, I'll be happy with it. I'm, I'm the six foot two, 250 pound man here. So it's like, uh, the, it's a lot of me that goes out of the boat. No, no. That's the rest of my friends. Like all my friends are pretty much that size and they, they have pontoon boats and they just all pick on me. Cause I'm, I'm happy in my canoe and I'm just like, well, I'm little and I haven't flipped it. So like, I'll be all right. I, I got, I, I do the kayak and stuff too. You know, like I, I don't know. I, I, I guess in a sense, you can always say I've been like a poor dude, but I just kind of dig doing things as cheaply as possible. I guess, you know, you, you can, you can make a ton of memories just hitting the river for an entire day in a canoe, even if you're alone, you know what I'm saying? Like there's yeah. just so much, so much you can go see and do and adventure in and stuff. You know, there's a lot of old untouched Georgia, you know, you can go down some of these rivers and you'll come across old, old dam setups or old water wheels or, Indian caves and stuff like that. You know, there's all kinds of stuff, man. It's like it's it's the creek, uh, the the creek group, the creek Native Americans. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when you when you when you go down the Flint River, like there's just you can see still today traces of everything that they had down that area. And the Flint is the only river that does not have a dam on it in the entire state. Really? So how'd that no. happen? Um, one of the actual positive things that FDR did, um, when he was trying to, when they were doing all the things with the army corps of engineers and creating all the lakes in Georgia, because Georgia has no natural lakes. Yes, that's correct. Um, the Flint river was the only river that he was like, nah, we need to leave this one and it's natural, you know, it's natural flora, it's natural state and just let this river do what this river does mm -hmm. and it starts just below the just below the atlanta airport off of a off of a trickle from the chattahoochee mm -hmm. and then goes all the goes all the way down like it, it it actually ends up tying back into the chattahoochee all you know all the way down close to the close to the swamplands and stuff but like you can you can get in that river and go a hundred almost 100 miles or so like a little okay. over 100 miles before it comes out to the ocean and stuff like that so it's 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 probably more than that but it's, it's it is like the longest stretch ever i know it takes a couple days to do that one you actually got to make a take a couple vacation days and make about a four-day trip out of that one oh that that is it for definitely pretty sad so when you do your two-day canoe trips then so do you have a a friend or someone like that take you up drop you off and then do you have the river that that you you float down is that like nearby your house then so the, easy one, access? The, the one the one that i float down on a regular like it it is off of it's a river that's formed after the dam of a place called jackson lake okay um it it originally starts as like four rivers that come into one and then turn into the lake and then the lake water falls down and this river goes all the way down to to the ocean and stuff to get it and it ends up connecting down in florida somewhere actually so and then but it uh it it's good for floating and minor fishing like there's some good fishing when you get towards the bottom for some more of those unique shoal bass that we have here in the state okay but the my favorite my favorite river to catfish float like we were talking about, you know, the two day trip, <clears throat> that's one of the rivers that connect to that, to that lake actually just North of it. And that one's kind of a drive. And when I do stuff like that, yeah, I usually either get dropped off or I have a friend that's with me. Like, and we leave one vehicle down at the pull out and then take the other vehicle down at the, at the put in or whatever, you know, they're, they're, 
they're like public places that that's where that's where you'll run across dnr you know they're usually hanging out at those at the put in and take out but none of them want to go down the rivers down here because every one of them are scared of snakes and you can't be scared of snakes down here on these rivers that's that's for sure so definitely what are some of the more deadly snakes that you've come across or have you been oh, kind man. of been lucky We've got cottonmouths and rattlesnakes all over uh, all over the state. Like that's people don't think of rattlesnakes being in Georgia, but they're definitely here. Now, do you guys have the eastern diamondback, or is that still a little bit west of you? Okay. No, that's here. That's here. Like he's uh, we we actually the town that got destroyed by the tornado is known for. There's two that got moved to the zoo in Atlanta because they were albino. Oh. They live up there in the zoo and they were found in that town over there in a farmer's, a farmer's field. And I, yeah, you, you gotta be careful. You're out here walking in this tall grass. Cause we also have copperheads. So I'm familiar with seeing those two as well. Yeah. I've and never that, seen I mean, one in, in, in live, but I've, that's well, basically I've seen basically uh, in the real world, but I've seen them in on like, uh, well, I've seen them in zoos, but not actually in the wild. Those it, it's, it's basically a rattlesnake without the rattle. Mm-hmm. and it's just as deadly if not more and they love chicken coops and yeah you'll you they're pretty common to run across man and we we all kind of treat we treat those ones not fairly but like a king snake we'll keep all day like i've i've had a six foot king snake living underneath the house for a couple of years and he can stay because he actually keeps the other snakes from showing up so the king snake is that like a natural predator to the diamondback or the uh, in to the cottonmouth? All, all the above. He oh, no eats, kidding. He eats snakes on a regular, so he that's why he gets to stay there. He'll, yeah, he totally I'll goes after chicken egg. He totally goes after chicken eggs every now and then, but as long as you keep him settled, he don't ever go into the coop. So, hey, I, you know, I can't argue with that logic, man. We have uh, timble rattlers up here. I've only encountered one one live up here and then we then i'm living in arizona I never encountered a western diamondback but boy they're pretty but i had a buddy of mine that got bit in the calf by one Ooh. by a baby and it it messed his world up for about 30 about 90 days a cotton mouth is probably in reality one of your most dangerous ones and they're not scared of you like they will come for you mm-hmm. like people are like what do you mean and i'm like i've i've been sitting in the boat and seen it coming for the boat like it is just beelining for us and we'll try to attack the boat and stuff like that you're just like what the crap is going on here they're super aggressive and super poisonous and that that's why i think everybody in this state totally carries what we all call a turtle gun because you got cotton mouths and snapping turtles that can bite your hand off in the blink of an eye on the regular so and we have a people People don't understand this and they think it's a terrible thing, but we have a turtle problem. Like we, they made turtles a protected animal and now we have a turtle problem. Like, and they're eating all the fish and there's turtles everywhere. Like when I was growing up with my grandfather, eating turtle was a common thing. Mm-hmm. And then big government stepped in and said, we needed to leave them alone. But I'm here to tell you, I'm fighting for the right to be able to get rid of turtles again because man we are overrun like you, you you can go stand at the lake and you'll see a couple dozen up on the ridge and stuff like that just staring at you you're just like go away like 
go you're eating my fish go away like because they'll 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 take your bait you'll catch turtles all day oh yeah i've and caught a turtle we, i biggest i caught a yeah. snapping turtle about a don't shit 20 years ago now we have alligator snapping turtles oh you got the nasty so, ones so they look like like some kind of mutant spiky dinosaur and and they get huge like i've seen them as small as you could hold them in your hand and laugh at them and as big as here let's throw this log at them and watch them rip it in half because it's fun <laughs> yeah no joke uh, what's it, the biggest one you've seen then like how many oh, pounds do you think like what, 50, snapping 75? Turtle? yeah my my grandfather brought i'll never forget this my grandfather brought one home in the back of the truck one day because him and his buddy seen it on the way home and it took both of them to get it in the back of this truck. And he was as wide as the back of this 90s F-150. Jesus. And, and they rolled, they like they slid a car tire in there to him. And like it, it one on one side, he like snapped the tire in half to where it like opened all the way. And it was just like, whoa, like just one bite. And that's when he told me about the old wives' tale is if ever, one ever gets you, he's not letting go until lightning strikes. So make sure you don't get got by one <laughs> it's that's where you carry at least a 10 foot boot and 10 uh 10 inch buoy on you to cut its head off man and they will fight you like a fit they will they will fight you like a fish you will and especially if you're into catfishing like i am mm-hmm. they will come and snatch your bait out of nowhere you won't you know you think you've got a catfish on you get it all the way in and it's a five five to ten pound turtle and you're like what like go away like this and they're not like most other animals. If you throw them back in right there, they're going to go back for your bait again. Like repeatedly, they don't learn a lesson. They go after that hook, no matter how many times they swallow it. Mm-hmm. So they're dinosaurs, man. They're dinosaurs. Yeah. I went fishing. Well, I think this is 90 shit. This would probably have been 94, 95. And I was fishing with my dad and my uncle, and we came, and I, I caught it. I thought I caught it into a nice big sucker because that's where we were. We, we have a little channel that we hit right in September because all, all of the fish that all the boats go up and down, a lot of all the uh, the carp and the catfish will go up there. So it's like we you can catch your limited catfish in a, ma- in a matter of an hour just because mm-hmm. they're just all up in there. Well, I catch some, I'm reeling, and I thought it was, it was heavy. And I wasn't sure what it was. And I get it up, and here it is, this turtle. And then I grab the net brought it in stuff like that it was probably a good 15 pound snapper brought it in there stuff like that we this is of course back in the day when we don't have cameras we have like like uh disposable cameras but we didn't have one of those mm. and it was just really cool to see and it was the same day i fried my legs so i decided to go a little sunscreen or uh, sunbathing and i pulled my uh shorts up and i i fried my thighs all the way down to my toes oh. and it was a very rough week that next day, the next seven days after putting um, aloe vera and all that fun stuff in there. But yeah. did you know that you can use uh, potatoes and you can, you can cut them up and you slice them up and you can put those on your sunburn and it'll pull the sting out. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I figured yeah. you know that because it's, 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 this is, this was a technique that I learned from the, not from a, a Southerner, but a, a friend of my dad's, he learned from a guy from the South and that's how he, and it's like, I got burnt and it's like, Two hours later, it, I felt good. This is the, the the South is the home of all those old wives' tales and home remedies, and mm-hmm. like I stand behind a lot of them myself. Like you know, there's there's more good things out here that are in nature that don't cost you a dime that are a reach away if you got the property and the ability to get your hands on it. You know what I mean? Like just plants and animals and stuff galore. You know, like there's I look forward to like blackberry season and stuff. You can go forage for blackberries in the spring 
pretty much anywhere because they grow wildly like crazy around here. Oh yeah, same. Yeah, we have blackberries all over the place too, but they're usually on public, usually on private land. I, oh, I have a friend of mine down in Southern Iowa that has just droves of them, but the deer love it. We so we keep them on there, and plus it's like we it, we'll, we'll go out there in uh, August, uh, September. We'll go out there. We'll get all we'll put heavy uh, car uh, Carhartt type material jackets on because they'll just they'll eat you up. But we'll come back with just gallons of uh of uh berries and stuff like that and his wife makes a mean raspberry or blackberry jam and stuff like that or if she gets real creative she'll put it together in a pie nice nice yeah i i i'll get a little off track and end up making some homemade wine with it so <laughs> hey nothing wrong with that man There's nothing wrong with that yeah, probably be even healthier because you're not going to have all the tannins or the herbicides and pesticides because that's one of the most wines now have become more toxic than they are really enjoyable because sure. of the herbicides yeah. and pesticides i was listening to uh uh spirit i can't remember he he's a sommelier in a sense and he was talking he had a really good variety of knowledge of the different um spirits that you can you can drink and stuff like that. And he says probably their most healthiest spirits out of them all is tequila because the 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 agave plants they don't use herbicides or pesticides on them. Then after that, you're better off just moving into uh, whiskeys. Mm. Yeah, because how I it's mean... all how it's all how it's all cured and stuff like that. We're um, my buddy Brady and I on our dose after dark. We do a lot of whiskey tastings, and that's what we did. And so we've been thinking about doing a a long-term content form content for whiskeys. And we're trying to figure out our, like a creator own unique uh, grading system on it, but then also creating like a nice backdrop where we mm -hmm. have like the history of like what, where bourbon came from Irish mm -hmm. and the corn whiskey and, and different things that, that make each one uh, special. So even like Canadian whiskeys too. And like their whole, every, every, uh, region has a different process to it, which makes it its own, especially like if you look at the whiskey that comes out of Japan compared to what comes out of Irish whiskey, and then you've yeah, got scotch. Sure. I mean, it's a, it's a very unique science with everything that goes with it, and I thought this would be a fun way of like trying to provide another level of education entertainment, because if him and I get a little frisky, we here a couple weeks ago, we polished off a bottle of uh, Texas. Uh, it's it's TX bourbon whiskey out of texas yeah. and boy is it tasty we've we we and i finished the entire bottle just the two of us it was a necessarily say it was a rough morning the next day but it was worth nice. it all worth it nice no no i mean you know we, we, shoot man we we're we're in the land of where they make the, where they made the dukes of hazard bro so you know that's it <laughs> get the moonshine and there's there's told there's totally that kind of stuff like you know because it's not a little make make consume your own you know what i'm saying like that, that's mm -hmm. a pretty common practice in the south still like people making their own beer and making their own corn liquor and stuff like it's it's not not uncommon not uncommon to run across around for sure no, it really isn't even up here too we got uh we have the land of uh lots of here in wisconsin we have a lot of microbrews and such and surly beer out of uh Minneapolis they're the ones that really kind of spearheaded the legislation on it and like removed a lot of it because like similar to to big pharma there's also big beverage big beverage just sure. like and anheuser-busch and stuff like that and we we have Milwaukee here so we have that uh, we have their they pretty much dominated the land so but with them they they put a lot of money forward and put the legislation in so it really helped a lot of small businesses grow and it really changed the culture in the Midwest to, being able to maximize the potential make it like a, a destination yeah, got, when it comes down to that we got we got a few breweries around here the two most common and i guess well known are uh, jailhouse and uh sweetwater 
I don't. They, they, I may they have produced them up this far, a lot of stuff. I haven't had it. I don't, but I haven't. I've been mostly been drinking a lot more whiskey since we've been doing the podcast. Now, just I, to I cu- prefer I prefer a whiskey over a beer any day myself. So oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Unless it's like, unless it's like an amber or a stout, like the, or a pilsner. But when you get into some of those watery beers, like when you got uh, uh, Ultra McUltra, then you got Bush Light and Bud Bud Light. I mean, that's a lot of water. It's like I'd rather. I don't like the way I feel in the morning when I drink a whole lot of watery beer. It's like I like uh, I like my good stouts or warm or from the mood for beer. I'll get a higher end beer, but drink less of it. Or whiskey. It all depends on how frisky I want to get. Spending some time in Germany and Canada, like they turned me away from American beer so bad that oh, wouldn't surprise me. Uh, it's just I don't know. Once you, once you've had beer from those places, you're just like I don't know, man. I'm I'm good. That that tastes like water. Like that. that, that I get, I understand the whole horse piss jokes and stuff now because I don't know. It's it's a different animal when you go outside of America. Oh, sure. Well, they've been the the beer culture's been around for centuries out there. So and they they don't frown upon miners drinking beer. You know, it's like you introduce sixteen. A, yeah. That's yeah. because anything over anything under 12% in Germany is considered a soft drink. And when I was in when I was in uh, high school over there for the exchange program, like it was common to be able to go to the vending machine and get beer out of the vending machine because as long as it's under 12%, it's okay. And I'm just like, okay, like yeah. I can tie one on at work or at school. Like, look, all right. Because <laughs> <laughs> here it's like 3.2 is what the average, what you can find around here when you like 12, that's, that's a heavy beer around here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No. And then same, the same in Canada, you know, like when I, I, I spent a little bit of time in Ontario and stuff and you, you see that like their lowest, usually homemade beer is like a seven, like, mm-hmm. and you're just like, Whoa, like this is a step up from everything else that you're used to. And and it's good. Know, it's, it's quality. Quality and different flavor and not messed with and regulated to, to garbage. So to, to all high heaven. Now, uh, what do you got planned next for your farm? Like what are what you got what do you have e- next to I want your... emus, bro? Emus. What's what's the curiosity about emus bringing that to the farm? Protection animals. It, it, it lightens my load up on the coyotes because we, we do have a coyote problem in the state, just across the board. Mm-hmm. Um and an emu will drop kick a coyote quicker than anything else in the world and mess it all to pieces and they're great protection animals and they do totally when they do pass on and stuff you can you know like harvest the oils from their skin and their skin and stuff like that so it's not not like it's going to be a project to really make any money off of but it'll be good for the farm i think in general oh as a as a pretty much a 24-hour security because they're don't they get like vocal too as well when danger's around and they're taller than me so i'm, I'm sure they'll pose more of a threat than i do so so how did you discover that uh, emus were a protective animal on the farm did it something for research or a recommendation so, so down here in georgia i was curious to why we have such a large emu and ostrich population okay i was like that doesn't just that just seems off and under research that's exactly what it is is they are very very good protection animals just in general you know they'll 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 usually mesh well with whatever you put them with especially if you raise them with it and they they will take a protection over everything you know like they 
it'll be it, it becomes their farm you know what i'm saying like i, I got you become, yeah, yeah i get it the territory of the hmm. so when you acquire an emu then how old do they are how old are they typically when you can bring can you can acquire one and put one on your farm oh man oh man we uh down here at the farm auction that's not too far from the house actually you can start getting them as hatchlings like as soon as they're out of the egg you can even get eggs half the time and incubate them yourself if you'd like oh really so you you, there's not really a whole lot of regulation on that uh on that breeding process no they're they're not easy they're not easy to come by because once somebody knows you got emus you know they want your emus right then and there you know what i'm saying but they're you, you you can talk to folks you know we we find them quite frequently like I, i've been looking at them for a while i just was trying to make the decision if i wanted to run emu or ostrich with it and ostrich i think is just going to be too big okay understandable of the whole process and then what is the diet of an emu lots of lots of vegetation and they'll get into grubs and stuff like that too like i think i think it'll be cheaper to feed them than it will be to haul the hogs makes sense because granted they may be tall but they don't they don't require as much as a hog and they can eat and they eat a lot of foliage and stuff like that that's a big thing with me is not having to spend as much money on the animals in general like Mm -hmm. i like for them to naturally graze as much as possible Uh, when you get over 100 chickens you no longer have mosquito problems valid Um, (laughs) oh that's that was one of the is that something you found out after you hit that number Yes. Yes. You know, you just see the mosquito problem just start to vanish entirely. Uh, you know, you, if, if you get into honeybees, they're territorial, they will run your red wasps and stuff like that off. And don't get me wrong. I understand that red wasps are good for a purpose, but I do not personally have any peach trees or fig trees. So I do not need them in my general vicinity plus the last time i got stung by, stung by one i thought i was going to lose my leg so oh, they're turned, pretty brutal they're like a bullet it, tur- it turned this black and like spread out looked like venom was growing on my leg no kidding yeah and it was a close i had a close call as a kid with a bee situation where i took over 100 stings Ooh, and damn. bee venom does not leave your body okay and you're you're stuck with it for life and I risk my life on a regular basis because another sting could kill me or it couldn't, you never know. And, but I learned that day that it's similar to bee venom, but not the same. That's why my body reacted the way that it did. Interesting. So then, so I take it, if you probably get stung by a dozen of those red wasps, you're probably looking at death. Yeah. Even, even without your, the amount of stings you endured from a, a beehive yeah i fell into uh, man i fell into a uh a weak spot in the ground turned into a sinkhole and then it ended up being full of ground bees and when they got me pulled out like i i I remember falling in and then i woke up i was in the hospital strapped to things and stuff so like wow everything everything in between those two is all story from my mom so like it's it she said it was terrible and I was swollen and not breathing. And the doctor's like, of course, you know, you take that many stings, even if you're not actually allergic, you are allergic now. So man, so you probably have an EpiPen everywhere. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's a couple that hang around just for safety's reasons. Yeah. You, you don't want to take that chance, but you know, you learn honeybees are pretty gentle. Mm-hmm. 
and you just happen to just fall right in the mix of them. So of course they're going to go into protection mode and get just like you need to get out of here. Now the bees that you ran into, you said they're ground bees. Now do they still fall on the same philosophy, one and done? Did they sting you? Okay, so that was a, that was a, that was a very aggressive uh, move for them because they knew they were going to lose a lot of uh, bees because yeah, they when you fall when you basically fall into their nest, it's 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 on. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it doesn't matter. They're, they're throwing all or nothing at you. Oh man. I've been, I'm, I've been my fair share of sting by, uh, by yellow jackets and, uh, mud wasps and stuff like that. And they're no, they're no joke, man. I, I oh man, I've, I've had a mud wasp get me before too. They dude, bite. They, they don't, uh, they don't sting. They bite. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what people don't understand. They, they bite you and they bite you a lot. They don't stop either until either, either you brush them off or you kill them. So I have, we have issues with, uh, because right now my apartment complex is, adding more on there so we have a lot of exposed soil and so they they'll they i've had to kill i think last year i killed two two or three mud wasp nests and stuff like that so i'm i stay i stay on it because of my youth and i have a dog and the kid and stuff like that and my wife well shit what was it we were still dating at the time i think this was back in 2018 she got bit in the eye by a bee like really right here and stuff like that i got a picture I got bit by one of those mud wasps right here underneath my eye. Oh, damn. It's not okay. Yeah. Like, those things are those things are rough too though. I mean, but I, I guess it's something you gotta run across. You know, the South. I warn people if you're ever gonna come visit me, uh we we have bugs that are gonna terrify you and they're gigantic and they're loud and the mosquitoes will carry you off and like it it's there there's there's some stuff down here, man, for sure. Like it's but i like the natural idea of with a lot of things you know goats they pretty much free roam don't get me wrong i get them a bale of hay too but like they they just eat the foliage and keep everything trimmed down i haven't had to fire up the lawnmower for grass cutting in three years yeah that's that's what my landlord did he has a piece of property all fenced off and said instead of instead of mowing it he just got a whole bunch of goats and then so they do they just come out there and eat it all up and stuff like that it doesn't take long to clear them off you don't you only need like five or six and they do they do some damage oh yeah they'll do some damage and you know you, to, you i learned to make a couple separate like areas so that i can rotate them out and let mm-hmm. stuff grow back you know move them around and let them do what they got to do but it, definitely they keep everything down like it's never never a problem and being so close to the woods and stuff you know they they might occasionally travel on the outside of the fence but they don't go far so if you're going to talk to somebody that's getting into homesteading what are some give like what are some, like two or three key points that you learned the hard way say goodbye to sleep <laughs> that, that's what that's what happens when you have kids have a strong stomach because you know you're it is terrible as it sounds you're gonna see a lot of death you know not not just your own from like harvesting for chickens and pork and stuff like that but like animals die sometimes unexpectedly sometimes without any warning you'll just wake up the next day and find that animal dead you know and you've gotta gotta be able to deal with these kind of things you know what i'm saying um and don't mind. I guess. I guess. I guess. Don't mind constantly smelling like barn. 
Yeah, yeah, it's a, that's I'm used to it. Well, I'm no longer used to it, but when I was growing up, yeah, it wasn't uncommon to have pig shit on my feet or cow shit or something like that. So or dogs, or ducks, or whatever. Smell, yeah, smell you. You just totally smell like the barn all the time. And I mean, it, it, I I don't care. You know, it's the last thing I'm worried about. I just it, my my focus on it was for food, mm-hmm. like food. You know, the security and food. You know, I, I hear everybody all the time worried about the grocery store being out of this, that, and the other, but the eggs and milk and honey run run plentiful around here you know like it's not it's not a, not that big of a deal it's not something that i worry about when you've got 100 plus chickens you've got 60 plus eggs a day you know mm-hmm. like and and everybody around you definitely gets eggs because you can't do anything with that many eggs a day yeah cuz considering how expensive eggs are now for some you know and I've, was what we've seen happen over the summer I'm known to I'm known to sell them, you know, three four dollars a carton. Especially if you bring me your own carton, like I'll fill it up for you. But on a general side, you know, like mom, neighbors, and work partners, stuff like that. Like it's just like here you go, here's eggs, take them because you you can't you, you there's nothing you can do when you have that many eggs and there's only five of you in the house. You know what I'm saying? You can only eat so many eggs and use eggs for so many things before you still have a mountain of eggs it's ridiculously large so you know and and you if you're not doing anything commercial at tops you need two dairy goats tops you know what i'm saying like their goat goat milk is a lot better for you than cow's milk anyway mm-hmm. it's a lot closer to human form and it makes some hellacious cheeses and butters so you you know you can get a you can get a good mason jars worth every other day or so if you got little goats and it's enough milk to get through each day and make fresh butter and make crumble cheeses and feta cheeses and blue cheeses and stuff like that. Like the, you, I, I wanted to be able to take care of myself more. So again, with the food aspect, so I, I know where all my food comes from. That's, I think that's, I, I can, a, that's awesome, man. Thank you, Jim, for like all the information you, you spilled out. I man. I always find fun talking to you and having you and finally having you on my podcast. I've been on yours so many times. So, but I think on the next podcast, I'm going to get Carson and you on here. So this way we just, we will have a, a big old blast. You I, know, I love Carson. He's mm-hmm. my favorite little buddy. Like I bring him over onto my show all the time too, man. That's, that's my little buddy. He's a I good know. dude. Carson is such a cool dude, man. He does a lot of fun stuff. He actually gets out there and gets out. He's got a good head on his shoulders and stuff like that. So I'm mean, really, I really find privilege to having you guys in my life to 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 have different perspectives, especially like him getting in and exploring and finding some old caves and stuff. But I figured it's like I, I was thinking about this today. It's like I get you on first. He's already been on the podcast. The next podcast, I have both of you on here. So about a couple of weeks or so, I'm gonna have you both on. I have a I have a couple of guests already lined up. I got uh, I'm gonna get. Uh, Shane from Bark Shark. It's it's a new device that came out of Michigan. What it is is that it it comes with it. It's all one big mold, and it, mm. it has a little twine t- tape to it. But what you do is you put your quiver to it. You attach it right here. So this way, if for I don't know for most bow hunters they don't keep their quiver on their bow because it's like they're they just like they like having it off. They want to. It's all about the shooter and stuff like that. So what you could do, so this way you're, when you're hunting in public or if you're, you're, if you're ground and pound like myself or going from tree to tree, you just put it on there, you wrap it around there, you put that on there, and then you can and go from there. And plus it's like you can always manipulate it to meet whatever meads you're going to go for it. But I think it's a very streamlined device for it, and it just clamps right onto your, onto your quiver. 
and has different mm-hmm. means of being able to do it. So it's like it was really nice for him to send it to me. He's a new company, just started up and stuff like that. He made it out to ATA. So I'm looking forward to having him on the podcast to, to talk more about nice. it. Nice. Yeah, no, that's a, I've, I've, it's been a while since I bow hunted. I do have a long bow like that. That was something I've always done. And I have been trying to teach the kids how to long bow just to teach them how to long bow. Cause it's always a good skill to have. Mm-hmm. That's the one skill I want to learn how to actually like go out, find the limbs, cut it down and, and be able to have that. Cause that's a re- it's a, it's a lifelong skill. That's like, if you break something, it's, you can easily go back and fix it. And then uh, cutting your own arrows and stuff like that. It's just, it's the whole process seems very therapeutic. Oh, sure. Yeah. No. And then, you, and then on, then on top of that, like, you know, we, we got some, I'm, I'm more, I've always been more into classic firearms and things that, have been handed down in the family and stuff you know and mm-hmm. there's there's some tried and true devices that were built long before any of us were alive that still get the job done to this day i promise you you know what i mean like they're they're there's there's a plethora of different things out there to work with i guess but i'm a simple fella and i just like to keep things as simple as possible i guess that's why I'm a big I'm a big fan of bolt actions because there's a lot less there's a lot less moving parts with it and it's easier to repair and it's like it and you get you get that one solid all around caliper like I have a thirty out six and it's like that that'll they'll take down every animal on the North American content continent. Uh, my my I mentioned it earlier. My prize my prize piece comes from a like a ancestor ancestor that. The late 1800s, this thing was forged, and it's mm-hmm. a 30-30 lever action cowboy rifle, and it has stopped everything from a hog to a bear, and has, there's not a deer yet that it can't handle. So it's you know <laughs> you know what I'm saying. It's it's it that 30-30 rounds definitely a, a classic reliable that you can't go wrong with and packs a good punch for stuff like that. You know it's I mean? very flat. That's why it's still used today. I mean, it's a very popular run up the Midwest for going after whitetail too. Yeah. 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 Well, shoot, man. I, my, my first deer hunting adventure. That's what I got to take my, I remember not deer, my bear hunting adventure. That's what I got to take a bear out with. You know, that was, that was exhilarating in itself. I totally recommend it. If you ever get to do it, you know, you're, you hear him coming, you know, he's in the woods and you're kind of scared the entire time, but it, it, pretty fun until the uh five mile drag back down the mountain <laughs> and then you're kind of regretting your decision that day until you get home and make those steaks man later in a you know later down the road with those that bear meat i don't know if you've ever had the pleasure of it but i think bear meat's top shelf oh like it's absolutely delicious especially when you make sure obviously cook it all the way through so you avoid trichinosis but yeah it's sure. delicious yeah, you know that's a that was a, that was on my list. You know, I got a couple on my list. I keep telling Carson I want to come visit him because I know where he is out there. He's got some quite large other other breed of hunting animals and stuff going on out there too, compared to where I am down here in the southeast. So be be fun to go out there and visit him one day. I'm going to. I plan on it. That's, he's my buddy, man. I, I, he, I talk to him weekly. I promise. I think it's one of those things we almost need to get together and just take, go out and do a week week long trip and stuff like that. Too, whether whether it be doing out there going backcountry fishing or backcountry hunting, I think we'd have a blast. Oh, the three of us and we, I, I got some friends that be would be down to come as long as long as their wives are okay with them. Because the nice thing is, I met a lot of the guys that I hang out with. They have they were able to find very independent and strong minded women to, that nice. allow them to have that that flexibility. But- a bandit, my co-host from my show, he 
Mm-hmm. He's done come down from Kentucky twice to see me. So, you know, I, <laughs> you know, I said, it's always a pleasure with that kind of stuff too. So, you know, uh, he, I took him down the road his second time to come see me. He got to me and I was like, all right, get in the, get in the van. Let's go. And we immediately went and got on the river and spent an entire day out, out doing that. He was just like, when we got back and stuff, he left from there. Cause he was just like, man, I just come down here and go down the river with you. And cause you're always talking about it. So oh, I know exactly. I think that'd be a fun trip for, well, we'll definitely, we'll get in, definitely in touch with the bandit and see what he's going to be able to make it on down there. Cause I mean, he, he was up here and for Christmas, but our, our just wasn't going to happen. So, but anyways, man, this is a fun conversation with the gym. What are the best ways to find you? Oh man, well, you can find everything to get back to me over there at my website, unconstitutionalawakening.com. Man, over there, you can get the links to find me on social media because that's there. And you can find my show, uh, both my shows, actually. My my show that I run um, myself, the Unconstitutional Awakening podcast. And then I'm also a co-host on a show called Makes You Think on the Red Pill Project where we dive into like weird conspiracies and stuff like that, just to, just to get away from the doom and gloom. You know what I'm saying? Like we talk Bigfoot and aliens and pyramids and all kinds of weird stuff just for, just for fun. So, and you can find links to all that over there at the website, man. We, I made sure I hooked it up to listen, to watch, to check out my memes and everything above. Cause it's all there. Excellent. And I'm going to uh, just make sure uh, I'll, I'll get, I'll, I'll drop those links in the show notes this way that everybody can go find it. But I want to say thank you for everybody that dropped, dropped into the, uh, the live tonight, hung out with us for the last 90 minutes. And it was just an absolute blast. So I want to say thank you again for coming on the podcast. Thank you, bro. Anytime.